0: Hey there, and welcome to another episode of my weekly show, The Break. I am Father Roderick, and we have a lot of things to talk about. I got some feedback, some questions after posting a video on TikTok and on YouTube about a, an anime called Chainsaw Man about the difference between devils and demons. So I figured, yeah, sure, <laughs> that's new content for my show. And way more things uh, to talk about. I will I will also uh, review... One of the stupidest movies I've ever seen. (laughs) We need to talk about the Rings of Power finale that was aired uh, um, last week. I want to share my enthusiasm for a book that I'm currently reading, the first part of a trilogy. And I think there are actually already five books in that series. It's really cool. Um, Of course, we're going to do some cooking. I will share some recipes. And I want to talk about some new, um, you could say, domestic tech that I had installed uh, yesterday and today. So it's not going to be about uh, like this high-tech iPads. Well, we'll talk about the new iPads also. Why not? But sometimes you just need kind of gear in your house. All that and more coming up on the show, which is made possible thanks to my patrons. I want to welcome two new patrons this week. Caramel and Veronica, thank you so much, and welcome to the community. And I also want to say a special thank you to Brian Rupert and Tony Suho, who have both upped their um, monthly donation, which is really awesome. As you know, I do this work thanks to my patrons. It's my only source of income, and my patrons make it possible for me to do that outreach in places where normally a priest wouldn't go. Like, you're almost like sponsoring a, you could say, a, a virtual enterprise spaceship that goes into uncharted territory. I mean, there are so many churches, so many parishes, so many priests all over the world. And a lot of them share that same problem that they have no idea how to reach young people with the message of the gospel how to introduce them to Jesus, who could become a very important person in their lives. But they don't speak the language. They don't have any experience. Plus, they have a ton of work for, let's say, the older generations that still are reachable through the the, the regular means, like a parish, a church, the Mass on Sunday. For an entire young generation, the Church is a completely different planet. And so instead of waiting for them to build a rocket and to fly to my planet or to our planet, I've, I've been uh, in, uh, put in a position where I can um, take my little rocket and fly to their worlds and to explore these strange new worlds from TikTok to YouTube to anime to Star Wars. Um, and I, on a weekly basis, reach hundreds of thousands of young people on TikTok alone alone. Um, my the video that I made last week already uh, gathered more than 400,000 people that have watched that video. It's an eight-minute video. It's almost like a homily-length video. And yet, 400,000 people watched that entire video. And so you cannot imagine the... Um, the amount of questions that you get, not just about the contents of the video, but also questions to me as a priest, religious questions. Uh, please clarify. And what always touches me the most, you get these testimonies of people that say, hey, I I had completely lost my faith. I had abandoned the church. But thanks to you, I I kind of find that religion again. Um, and And maybe I was too quick to to throw it overboard. And those are, I think, the seeds of a possible conversion in the future, you know, change. I am not doing that, by the way. That, that's God that does it. I just want to be there so he can use me as his instrument in these places where most priests and bishops and religious people wouldn't venture. That is what you make possible by becoming a patron. So for, for those of you, oh, I, right now, I've got a small group of patrons, small in comparison to the hundreds of thousands of people that I use. But I also know that the majority of the people that listen to this podcast are not patrons for whatever reason. Um, but maybe you, you thought, well, other people can take care of that, but but I really need more support to be able to continue to do this and know that you are not just supporting me, but through my work, through this ministry, you are supporting the faith of an entire generation that otherwise would never come into contact with the gospel and with the Bible and with the Catholic faith, so that is why I want to encourage you to take a look at Patreon.com/slash Father Roderick, and if it's possible, and if you 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 share my 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 zeal to to reach out we need to hand this over to another generation if if you want to join that quest you can do so by becoming a patron and of course there will be some extra perks for the patrons as well but it's about the mission and i need you to uh to help me with that because i can't do it by myself Do you know what's going on this is what's happening in your world face it catholics rule we got boston south america the good part of ireland and we're making serious inroads in mozambique baby Taken your first step into a larger world. Ah, this week, it is the week where we remember Carrie Fisher. Of course, the actress who portrayed Princess Leia. She, um, she was born on October the 21st. I'm recording this on the 22nd in 1956. And um, she died already six years ago. Is that six years ago? Feels like yesterday. Unexpectedly. Um, still at a relatively young age. And her legacy is not just her acting career. But for me, uh, she's much more important than that. Um, it was what I think is maybe her most important contribution to the world was her openness um, and her humor with which she talked about her mental, ish- mental health issues. Um, as you know, she suffered from... A lot of mental health issues. Uh, she for she was she was the daughter of a very famous actress. Um, she grew up in Hollywood, um, and that gave her many opportunities, but it also gave her a pretty messed up uh, um, youth and and the time where you would normally grow up to be a responsible human being uh, her her life was nothing like a, or an ordinary life and so she she struggled with addictions with uh, with drugs with uh, lots and lots of uh, mental health issues but at the same time she was also extremely talented talented and and also um she had this self-deprec self-deprecation when it came to it and she always approached everything, including the most miserable aspects of her life, with humor. And that, and I think that really lowered the threshold for so many people to also start talking about their issues and to follow her example. Um, so she's, she's not just a hero of a lot of Star Wars fans that grew up watching the movies in which she starred. But I think she is all, and maybe this is something that we we don't even realize right now, but, but I, I so hope that Carrie, wherever she is right now, may, may see the, the, let's say, the harvest of what she did and how, how many people she has helped. Uh, so many people that she may have never met, but it's through her, her honestness, I think, her, her transparency, uh, transparency or authenticity when it comes to these issues um, that she's helped them to get out of their uh, little corner and, um, and stand up for themselves or seek help. Another aspect of Carrie Fisher that is often overlooked um, is that she was not only a very gifted writer, but she was also doing a ton of work as a script doctor. So it's someone who, once a script was written, and oftentimes, especially with these bigger movies, they go through a lot of iterations, and sometimes multiple writers were involved, and still, while they are shooting the movie, they may realize, well, this dialogue just doesn't work. Um, or we need it needs to have more pace or more humor, and th- and then a lot of people, uh, including um, very famous directors, even George Lucas would uh, call her up and ask her, "Hey, Le- uh, Leia, <laughs> you see, <laughs> Carrie, we need we need your help. We we need we, this script needs one more take, and we want it to be your take." And so, for instance, did you know that Carrie Fisher? has worked on improving a lot of the dialogue of the prequels. Now, if you know how wooden sometimes the dialogue is of the in the prequels, you can imagine what it was before Carrie Fisher took a look at that and, and, and improved it. And there are also uh, a lot of other movies. There's a whole list, if you uh, look it up uh, in her bio, of movies that she has worked on. And it's only in the last few years that she stopped doing that. Um, but yeah it's its it was someone with a lot of um talents, some of them extremely well known, others much more hidden but what a what a woman, and what a miss for all of us that she's no longer with us, but she leaves an incredible legacy. I do not like movies, they're predictable, like the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. All right. so I've been watching a couple of series Um, for my work. (laughs) I've been watching a new anime and if you follow me on YouTube you may have already seen uh, one video that I did about it. And it's again, it's one of those series that I never thought I would watch, let alone enjoy. But it I was just trusting my audience and they told me you will maybe not love this but this is interesting stuff. You will have stuff to say about it. And the series is called Chainsaw Man. It's based on a on a uh, a very lo- long lasting manga series. So manga is like comic books for Japanese stories. Um and it's now being turned into an anime, and the original creator of the manga is also involved in the animation. So there was very strict supervision of the original creator, which is probably why the anime is so so good. Um, it it tells a wacky story though. It's about this boy who it, it kind of merges with a demon, and then it, he uh, he he changes into a man with a head and arms. Uh, as chainsaws. So it, it, where his head used to be there is now this big chainsaw and then both his hands turn into chainsaws and he destroys demons. So he becomes a, a, a demon hunter and, and uh, but, but it's it's such a weird story and, and extremely violent. Oh, please don't watch this with your kids. And this is absolutely uh, very gory. And and you know me, I don't like gore. I don't like horror. I don't like any of that. So, but I saw that this this story, this anime, and also the manga, has struck a chord with millions of fans. And I always wonder: well, if so many people love it, there has to be something in there. And I want to know what it's, it can't be just the gore. Um, and so I started watching the series and did a video about it. In it's interesting. It's really interesting, and there are definitely some uh, some deeper layers in the story, which I try to then explain to my audience, um, and even some religious symbols in there, and some um, definitely some some biblical themes that are mixed in, as is always well, not always, but is often the case in with Japanese anime. And so I'm I'm glad that I that I've discovered a new series and and then of course a lot of the people that follow me are like oh boy he is going to be so disappointed or shocked or outraged when he watches this or this or that because they already know how the story is going to go and they think that as a priest I'm kind of this very vulnerable timid person who, whenever there is a something that is a little bit shocking, I will just immediately condemn it and I will start waving around rosaries and crosses and say that everybody who watches that goes to hell. And so there's still <laughs> this kind of this idea about priests and about the church and I'm always like, dude, i've I've seen a lot of movies in my life. I've read a lot of books. I've heard a lot of confessions. There is really not much that can shock me these days. And always, I, I also trust the storytellers. I always know that there there is a reason often why they use a certain genre, because in this case it's just a genre, um, to tell stories. And the good stories always go beyond the form. So, like, a good vampire movie will always have something to tell, will have a message. So even if you don't like the genre, you can still appreciate the message. And and the same is true for science fiction. And you may not like Star Wars or science fiction in general, but you have to agree with me that there are a couple of stories, be it Star Wars or Dune or you name it, Firefly or uh, um, that have... A good message or an important message. Take Star Trek. You know, so many people that really do couldn't care less for Star Trek, but they do appreciate this, the this kind of the core message of hope and and tolerance and and uh, you know see, trying to seek peace, combat evil. And so this is how I approach a series like Chainsaw Man. And I already have watched the second episode, and now I see like, oh, that's what the fanboys were predicting. Like, oh, he's going to be so shocked when he will discover that the, the hero of the story isn't actually a hero, but he's a pretty messed up young boy. And I was like, well, you know what? My next video will be about that, about how in a story it's not really fun if the main character is a hero from the beginning. It's much more interesting to show that the hero is actually very weak at the beginning, has a lot of flaws, moral flaws, like this guy. Um, But then over time, through everything he goes through, that's how that person will start to grow, will start to evolve, will maybe get a better functioning conscience. So this is part of storytelling. And having had a little bit of experience when it comes to uh, story analysis, movie analysis, and also kind of biblical... Uh, uh, biblical studies. I know how to read a story, and oftentimes uh, it's, it's always fun when I share that kind of like observations, and people are like, "How can you see that when you have only watched two episodes?" And I'm thinking, "Well, it's just story structure." <laughs> so I always love these these interactions with uh, with my followers there. Now let's talk about Rings of Power, the finale. The I, I can't believe how quickly this series was over. Only eight episodes. As I've shared before, I tremendously enjoyed this series. Um, I think they did a ter- such a terrific job in bringing to life Middle-earth and the history of Middle-earth in a way that we've never seen before. And how, what I really love the most about this series is that in just eight episodes, we get to know so many compelling characters. Maybe even too many there were some complaints of people that, 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 that maybe they try to cram in too many people. And and, and you've got the Harfoots and you've got and then within the Harfoots, you've got so many different characters, and then you've got the Numenorians, but then we kind of lose track of all, all of those people. There's just too much going on. And I'm like, well, I don't mind, because we still have a couple of seasons. And what I love is that despite the fact that this is only eight episodes, you can re-watch them. Um, and and you, will be, you already have sympathy for so many of the characters. And there were also some surprises in the finale, I won't spoil them, um, that make, I think, make the, the, the viewer want to go back and rewatch. And then you will probably discover that what was revealed in the final episode has already been predicted from day one. Uh, at least I believe so. I also loved the quotes. This this series is so full of sayings, of like f- the dialogue. Almost every phrase is something you could frame. And it's a, I think it's tremendous writing. Not all of it is textually, literar, literally what Tolkien has written, but the most beautiful phrases and quotes could have been written by Tolkien. They're so... W- representing so well his mindset, his beliefs, his his faith even. Um, I, 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 I'm just amazed at what they pulled off. Now, of course, you've got the visuals, it all looks gorgeous, the, the costuming, the, the props, all of that, amazing. But none of that would matter if the story wasn't good, if the character development wasn't interesting, and if there wasn't a soul in this story. And I, I believe that they really... That's where this series shines. There is a very deep, big heart in the series and also a very deep soul. This is about very fundamental issues in not just in Tolkien's life and work, but also in our history, in our world. This story in many ways makes us think about the goals that we pursue, what it can entail if we choose violence instead of Choosing the noble, difficult road. Um, There is so much there about small people, insignificant people uh, facing great, powerful, seemingly powerful evil. Um, There is this tenacity of those that want to combat evil, but also the failures and the flaws of, of even a noble race like the elves. All of that is so reminiscent of ourselves and of the world in which we live. And um, I think this series did a tremendous job in painting a very rich tapestry, beautifully done, but also very rich thematically. And um, if there's one thing that I maybe love the most, it's the music. Um, I've been listening nonstop to the soundtrack of this music. It's a very big soundtrack, way bigger than... Uh, even what Howard Shore wrote for the movies, because of course the movies is just three movies, long movies, but still three movies. This is this is much more in terms of time, and he scored everything himself. There's a fantastic article that he wrote himself about the process of writing this music, and he has sacrificed so much to to write this score. But I think it is a tremendous success. I I personally love this score way more. Than the score for the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, maybe just a matter of taste. I've, I, I've always liked the score for the Hobbit, but it also felt uh, like a lot sounded the same. And this score is so vibrant and so I don't know. Every melody is hummable. The genres are different. There, there's just so much again texture and ta- and 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 variety in this music, and I think it. The songs, there are a couple of songs in there as well that are so incredible. Um, Yeah, can't wait to see what they're going to do with season two that is currently already being filmed, but that we only get to see not next year, but in 2024. It's going to be such a long wait. All right, I'm, I'm currently also streaming from time to time. My Lego builds, I'm, cur- I'm finishing the set for uh, Friends. And uh, when I started building that Lego set, I had to confess that i had never watched an episode of Friends. Oh, well, I tried to watch an episode of Friends and I just felt it wasn't for me. I just didn't get it. There were too many characters. I, I just didn't see the point. Uh, it was so different from the high standards that I was used to with the Big Bang Theory and The Office. And I felt like, well, I'm just going to build this Lego set. And, uh, well. and But I started watching Friends, and now I'm, uh, I'm kind of hooked. <laughs> it's my go-to sitcom right now, as well as Seinfeld. So I'm watching Friends and Seinfeld. I'm like 20 years behind on everyone else. But I really love it that i now have two classic sitcoms that i both enjoy tremendously and there are tons of episodes for me to watch because i was approaching the end of the big bang theory i'm in the last season only like 4 episodes to go and then that is over and i still remember how how what a, tr- a trauma it was for me to to have finished the office and and that series was done and, and there wouldn't be any new episodes it was so hard to separate myself from from The Office. Now, I still watch The Office from time to time and it still makes me laugh. But I was dreading the moment that The Big Bang Theory would be over. But now I'm thinking, you know what? Having friends and having Seinfeld, that will definitely soften the blow. And I'm only watching the first season right now and I know that these series always get better in subsequent seasons. So... (laughs) I'm so glad that I stuck with that. And then finally, let's talk about the stupidest movie I've ever seen, but man, this is a genre that I love. It's the genre of the disaster movies, especially the ones directed by Roland Roland Emmerich. You know, the guy who did uh Transformers and the what is Day After Tomorrow and uh what was it a 2001 disaster movie? um and he made a movie last year called Moonfall. I remember that it was even in my local theater and I I missed it probably because I was too busy. Um and but I saw the trailer in the, in in the theater. Uh and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is so classic. It Almost feels like a movie that was made 20 years ago. It's got that same like disaster movie vibe of uh uh Independence Day." Um and there's always something, I don't know why I like to watch those movies, but the, where the whole world is destroyed by tsunamis, and in this case, it's the moon that crashes into the planet Earth. Yeah, I know it's stupid, but it's still like the ultimate popcorn movie experience. But I started to watch this one, and even though, yes, it is a very classic disaster movie... But, man, it is so stupid. It is just... Uh, you know, on a lot of movies you have a rating right now and it tells you don't watch this movie if you haven't reached this or this age, like 12 years or 16 years or 18 years and older. This movie should have a rating that please don't watch this movie or this movie should not be watched by people over the age of 10. Because literally... The plot only works until the age of 10. Even a 12-year-old would probably already shoot holes <laughs> through the script. It is just insanely stupid. And yet, uh, still, I watched it. <laughs> it's so cool. You know what? Since we're already talking about it, I am going to play the sound of the trailer. You know by now, a huge problem is heading our way. An emergency meeting has been called at our usual place immediately. Free bagels. <laughs> I've made a shocking discovery. I need you to get me in touch with NASA immediately. Well, NASA and I aren't really on speaking terms these days. Well, that'll change. When you tell them that the moon is out of orbit. There's no need to panic. Not crazy! Why are they lying about all this? It's too late to stop. You knew all this was happening before NASA. You're the unidentified source? Oh, yes. We're dealing with an intelligent entity. We're planning a mission to attack this thing. I'm asking you for your help. Say yes, Brian. I need you to be brave. If the moon really is what you think it is, suit up. I see you have got a big gravity wave coming your way. You have to launch now! Did he say gravity wave? I see trouble on the way. We're in the water, guys. Uh that's crazy. I hear hurricanes are well we slow down! Oh! What's the plan? Save the moon, save Earth. Wait for it. Let's go, you son of a. Yes! Hang on! hang on! Everybody, hang on! I'm gonna get you home! It's on airplane mode. It is so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> to give you an example, at one point, they're going to fly to the moon using the space shuttle. The space shuttle is, of course, no longer in use, so they get one out of a uh, out of a museum. And then um, at one point, the, everybody leaves at NASA. They're like, okay, we've, we're unable to launch. And there are only three people left. And they tell you that these three people are able to launch with the Space Shuttle, all by themselves. Like, there's no one. Every, everybody has left the premises. But these three people just, ah, yeah, let's just uh, step into the Space Shuttle and let's, let, yeah, we're launching here. Like, seriously? And it, it, this is like a collection of tropes like, but it's a trope of a trope of a trope. It's so, every phrase feels like it's, it's been done before. And there were literally moments, even in this trailer, there's this moment like, yeah, NASA and I were not really on speaking terms. Like, I was literally predicting that that would be his reaction at that moment. And it's, so every time you, <laughs> there are these things, you, you know exactly what's going to happen. Even the visual effects. Like there's this car chase and it's in low gravity because the moon is already very close, so it's it's like sucking up everything from the ground. And like, didn't they do exactly the same thing in 2001 uh, with that m- disaster movie? And and oh my gosh! And there are a ton of famous actors that work. In the, it's just Hail Berry and uh, oh, what's the dude who plays the uh, the president in The Hunger Games? And so many great actors. But they're in one of the worst written movies ever. I mean, this feels like it's been written by a 10 year old, but uh, still kind of guilty pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) So, if you ever want to watch, check this out. It's a, I think it's on Netflix. I think I watched it on Netflix. Make sure to leave your brain at the door. Otherwise, you'll get mental whiplash. (laughs) ha <laughs> Catholics rock! Here at the Peculiar Bunch, we'll always have to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you were afraid to ask them. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No oh, meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? So, you know what they say. Fear leads to the dark side. So never fear to ask a question. There are no stupid questions. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster videos. So in this um, anime series about Chainsaw Man, um, there are a lot of demons. And I've noticed that in, uh, and of course, we're not talking about Christian demons. We're talking about the, the concept of almost like a daimon in, in Greek which can also be a benevolent creature. Um, and so in, in in Japanese mythology and fairy tales, you see a lot of these creatures where you wonder, like, they're half, like, fairies or s- half-spiritual beings. It, none not, none of it resembles anything from the Christian tradition. Um, but, and yet it's still being translated as demons. But in this case, even the translation on Crunchyroll said devils. So... Chainsaw Man is a devil hunter. But I was, in my commentary, he was constantly talking about all these, you know, demons. And, and then I got some questions about that. Well, Why do you say demons? Why didn't you say devils? Because, you know, it's, it's supposed to be devils. And uh, actually, or is there a difference between the two? And I love questions like that because then I can do, in my next video, I can do a little bit of catechesis about what's the difference between devils and demons. And you know what? Why not share it here too because I'm not sure that everybody knows what the difference is. So, the devil, the word devil in Greek diabolos means slanderer or false accuser. Um, And it's only used in singular in the Bible. So, there's only one devil, one diabolos. However, there are also a lot of other well, here I have to use the word demons. That comes from the Greek daimon, um, or daimonon, uh, di- daimonion, uh, demonic daimonion. Um, and the, the root meaning of the Greek word daimon is, has something to do with intelligence, with knowing. These are creatures that have an intelligence or are s- spiritual. It's kind of like on the between the idea of inte- intellect and also kind of the, s- the spirit. They have, a, they, they, are, they have a great spirit. Um, and definitely above humans in a certain way. Now, in the New Testament, specifically, the word diamond uh, and daimonion is used both in singular but also in plural. Think of the demons that have taken possession of this man who is tormented and, and and encounters Jesus, and then Jesus tells these demons to go into the pigs, and the pigs then run away and jump into uh, uh, the abyss. Uh, in those cases, they never the Bible never uses the word diabolos, but only the word uh, daimon, and that makes it clear what in at least in the biblical. A perspective: That what the difference is. The diabolos, the accuser, the the slanderer, is what we translate as the devil or Satan, and there is only one in the Old Testament. Uh, it's it's the 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 one who presents himself in the form of a sh- of a snake, who is trying to, who is accusing God uh, of of withholding the truth from Adam and Eve. You know, God doesn't want you to eat from that tree because he knows that you will be his equals. So that's 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 why he's called the accuser, uh, the false accuser in this case, because God, of course, didn't withhold anything for Adam and Eve. Um, and uh, But there's only one. And so later on, the tradition, the Christian tradition, has thought about this. Um, like, this has to be... So this is not a human. It's made very clear in these very early stories this is not a human um but it is also not a god it's definitely not an equal of god it's not like the yin yang you know dark light this is just a dark counterpart of god no because uh, jesus and also in the old testament th- these, this devil can be um can be stopped god is much stronger it's not absolutely not on the same level um and so theology later on explained well this so this has to be um, a spiritual being this is what we call an angel um, a pure spirit that may have a corporal manifestation in this world and then of course you can always try to develop a theology as to how that is possible but the but in essence the devil the Satan is nothing else than an angel however it is an angel who has rejected God. And so, a fallen angel, that's where the concept comes from. And it, it, so, even before the story of Adam and Eve, there has to be a story, and this is, of course, not part of the Bible. Uh, but that evil, and that's what the story of Genesis wants to make clear, evil was not there as part of, the, of, as part of God's creation. It's, it's a... Evil was a, is, is, is the result of a personal choice. And so, well, if it's not if there is already evil in the Garden of Eden, then that snake must rep- represent an entity who has already turned away from God, just like Adam and Eve will do, um, being being basically misled by by this uh, by this Satan um, to follow him and to do the same and to turn their backs on God, and that, of course, creates. Um, suffering and, and, and uh, lots and lots of evil and violence in the history of mankind. And then God also always wants to go back and redeem mankind, ultimately by sending his own son, who also is, uh, shows himself to be much more powerful than Satan. Or, and then this is where It always works this way. Theology always follows Scripture, right? Scripture doesn't give us a full theory about the devil and his demons, but it's only afterwards that you say, well, how can there then be multiple demons in the Gospels? Well, also not just metaphors. Uh, Jesus talks to them and treats them as real entities. He doesn't at any point is tell his followers like yeah but you know when i say demons you have to think like evil in the heart of the man of, of mankind like it's a metaphor you know it's a it's a story let me explain jesus never does that it's always very very clear that it, the way he speaks about demons and about the devil is personal and is real um and and that is why in catholic theology um there's always of course there 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 is a <laughs> The stories about the devil and the demons um, are stories, but it doesn't mean that the reality, uh, that, that, that it's just a figment of our imagination, these demons and devils. Um, since we are also at least partially spiritual beings with a free will, you know how hard is it to imagine that God has also created pure spiritual beings that also have been gifted a free will, but because they live outside of the realm of time and space, their choice for or against God is immediate and is, eter- is eternal. God cannot bring back Satan or the demons from their choice. Their choice is immediate and is definitive. Whereas we live inside time, and as long as we are alive, there is the possibility of conversion and turning back towards god and that is what faith is all about it's trying to bring us back to that relationship that god originally intended and so anyway so what are those demons um well they also have to be angels fallen angels but it's clear that the devil there's only one of the uh, of uh, of them that is the devil and so that must be their kind of their leader or maybe the first angel who fell see, so, so that's kind of retrospectively uh, why uh, there is this difference in vocabulary. Speaking about the devil, then it's clear this is, a, this is the, the entity, uh, this is the creature that seduced Adam and Eve. Um, and his uh, rebellion against God was, was the first. It preceded even mankind's rebellion against God. Um, and then, well, apparently, a lot of other angels followed. And are still somehow able to continue what satan himself did in the garden of eden it's trying to lure people to choose for evil hope that clears things up so there you go when did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics last night the packet the extraction theory papers am i the only one who did the reading I'm finally reading the Red Rising trilogy by Pierce Brown. This is a series that I've seen mentioned by so many fantasy YouTubers that I'm following and book talkers. Book talkers is the slang for TikTokers that talk about books, and I follow a ton of them, and that's where I get all my book suggestions nowadays. I've told you time and again there you can say a lot of you can be very worried about what TikTok is doing, but there is also something incredible about the medium, and it's not really the medium. The medium is just a medium; it's a tool. But it's the people that are sharing their passion for arts, for for books, for uh, even faith. There's so it's so incredible the wealth of knowledge and um. This is one of the reasons that I think TikTok is so addictive. It's not just a mechanism of scrolling and you know, videos only being 30 seconds long. It's because the people that you find there are so fascinating and you want to get to know them. And I I take their recommendations at heart. This is how I learned how to cook Um, (laughs) all these different uh, recipes from all over the world. 90% of my inspiration for cooking comes from TikTok nowadays. Uh, A lot of the knowledge that I now have in telling stories um, in, in making my own TikTok content, um, the marketing aspects of it all came from TikTok. And now I get almost all my books from TikTok. So this was recommended by so many of these mm, these, these booktubers and booktalkers um, that I, f- I finally was like, okay, I'm going to read it. I expected something. The reason that I had not read it before is that I thought that these books would be endless. I was thinking, oh, it's probably something like Wheel of Time, 600 pages per book. I don't have time for that. I'm already eight books behind on my reading list and there are only, there are less than three months left in this year and so I still, I need to read more than two books per week. So I can't afford to read this book and I was like, okay, well, but I'm reading for the fun of reading. So... Why would I limit myself to the smaller books or, or just race through these books just to, to match that number? I'm sure that I will make it. I have no worries about that. I always have this like race at, at the, in the last few weeks of December to, to finish reading, to, to meet the goal that I set myself. But I also really want to... Enjoy the process of reading, and so I was like, okay, I'm just going to read this book. And am I glad that I did? Because it is such an easy read. Oh man, this is a I should have read this years ago. It's a fantastic story. It's right up my alley. I you know that I'm a huge fan of the Hunger Games and and similar stories. I you know, uh, it, this was a whole genre Maze Runner, and uh, was it? Deviant, or uh, what was it again? There are, were a, a couple of these books um, very popular among young adults, um, and they were almost all like trilogies or four, five books, six books. Um, you've got the Bardugo series, um, and a lot of them actually have already been <clears throat> uh, turned into um, into television series. This series will undoubtedly also at one point Make it to one of the big streaming platforms because there's it's a great story, so it tells the story of um uh, a, a world in the future, and uh, people are living on Mars, so apparently they use terraforming and uh, use all sorts of technology to is it wait, yes, it's on Mars, right? Now I'm starting to doubt, or is this on Earth? No, I think it's on Mars, anyway. <clears throat> something happened and it's no i know already that th- this is why i got confused earth itself has become almost inhabitable um uh, well we we kind of live in this <laughs> this future is starting to happen we we see how much this earth this planet is suffering under the consequences of our own behavior <coughs> so in the in the story of um of red rising um, Earth is no longer a place where people can can continue to live, and so they 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 went to Mars. but then Mars, of course, is not a planet where you can just live so the story begins by introducing us to an underground society, and there are all these different <clears throat> groups of people, and in this respect, it really resembles Hunger Games and some of the other uh books in the genre. <clears throat> There are all these classes, and every class has a color. So you've got the reds, you've got the, the, the grays. The grays are there for, for um, uh, like a police force. You've got the pinks, the... Well, anyway, different colors. But that entire underground society is um, told that they are the colonists, they are um, mining the planet, so they are looking for water, for resources, so that in the future all these resources can be used to make the planet surface of Mars habitable. And so for generations these people underground work hard, sacrifice so much. It's a very, very strict society. There's also a lot of inequality, in an inequality, how do you say? It? Gosh, I can't speak anymore. <laughs> there are a lot of class differences, even underground. But then, and this is this is a minor spoiler, so you, if you still want to read those books, close your ears here for just uh, ten seconds. The char- main character discovers that, in fact, Mars has already been habitable for years and for generations and now the surface of the planet is just this lush world where people are super rich and they use genetic modification to improve their bodies and it's a it's the perfect life and they are just using the people underground as slaves but they don't know that they are slaves and so this one boy the main character is sent up to or it's actually not a boy he's been married and his wife actually sacrifices her, herself. as was the beginning of a rebellion. So the, the main character is sent to the planet and he's being genetically modified to look exactly into it and he learns how to act like one of the golds. So basically the, the privileged people that, that, that live uh, on, on the resources that are uh, being, being brought together by the slaves underground. To to destroy the system from within, and we so we follow his story, oh, it's riveting. And then it turns out that that you know that entire mindset that the they use to oppress the slaves is actually also a mindset that causes a lot of strife and division with the, all these privileged people that live up up uh, on the surface of the planet. And so there's this ongoing quest to select the best of the best, and then other people just get killed, and so there it becomes very much like The Hunger Games, at least the first book, and um, yeah, it's it's just a great read, and in fact, it's a very fast read, so I'm thinking I'm just going to read through this entire trilogy in uh, the next. Mm, I should be able to finish that in uh, in, the, in the maybe in the next week, or maybe maybe need, I need two weeks for that, but it's worth it. So I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, the first book, by the way, is currently still on sale on the um, Amazon Kindle store. Um, I think it's 1.99 on the US Kindle store. So, you if you may if you want to check out the first book um just pick that one up and if you like it well then you can always later on or wait for a good deal for for the subsequent books or or just pay a little bit more i think it's worth it it's time to dive into the kitchen and first of all i want to talk about well one of my major reasons to eat spinach has just recently been debunked by my physicist. Uh, no, not my physicist, my physician, my doctor. So I went to the doctor this past Thursday because I was, I I had these, uh, these moments where I was just so tired and I couldn't figure out where the fatigue came from. And it's not all the time. There are just some days, like this week, I have no trouble. Yeah, I did wake up very early, three days in a row, so I'm a little bit tired right now. But, um, but the week before that, I had days where sometimes in the afternoon, I just had to go to bed for three hours, even though I slept for eight hours already. And and so I was thinking, oh, it's got to be like a vitamin D deficit or something like that. Um, so I went to see my doctor. Um, I'm going to get, you know, they're going to take some of my blood next week um, to just check what's going on there. And then we can see what we can do about it. And so she was also inquiring about, how, what's my diet? Because sometimes if you eat the wrong stuff, that can also make you very tired, or maybe you're just lacking in nutrients. And so I told her, no, I'm super healthy, I'm always eating tons of vegetables, and for iron, I eat a lot of spinach, I've got this great Korean recipe, which I have. And, and so I, I eat a ton of spinach, so I must have enough iron. And she's like laughing, like, yeah... You probably watched uh, too much Popeye when you were a kid, <laughs> but that was that was a promotional cartoon. That, that it's actually not the best vegetable to eat if you want iron. There are lots of actually uh, most of the iron will probably come from sources like meat and stuff like that, but but not from spinach. It's actually pretty low in iron. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, really?" Like for my entire life, I thought that iron was that that spinach was one of the best sources for irons and, and iron and other vitamins. So always been, and I remember that I disliked spinach so much when I was a kid. I hated it because just the way my mom prepared it was really not. It wasn't very tasty. Like like a lot of the vegetables uh, that we ate as children. I hated them and now I'm I'm discovering all these amazing recipes with the same vegetables and now I love it. So it's just, it's not the veggies, it's just the preparations, just the recipe. So anyway, um yeah. I I will still continue to make the Korean spinach because it's so good. Oh my gosh. But I also uh found another recipe for a, a, a type of vegetable that I'm always a bit clueless. Uh, about now, I didn't buy this myself. I got this as part of a you know one of those to good to go boxes that I sometimes buy, and it was just this big red cabbage. And I don't mind white cabbage because I've got a ton of, of Chinese recipes and Japanese recipes that where you you uh, you use white cabbage. But red cabbage, it's more leathery. It's got this very peculiar taste. If you cook it, it becomes mushy. Um, a lot of people here in the Netherlands love their red cabbage, but they will mix in uh, like apples, and sh- they will make it sweet and sweet and sour. And that's just a combination that does not work for me. I just don't. I mean, I like sweet when it's sweet, but not s- veggies that are sweet to me. That is no. That's not supposed to be the way that those those. Flavors are not supposed to be combined. Anyway, I just don't like it. So, thankfully, I found this yummy recipe that I want to share with you today. Um, and it's called, it's a Korean dish called namul, or, no well, namul, I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, it's basically a combination of red cabbage, carrot, and nori. Nori is um, <clears throat> seaweed, dried seaweed. You can buy those leaves. Uh, it's what they often use in, um, in sushi. But but uh, to my surprise, uh, nori is also used a lot in, 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 a, lot of, in, in a lot of salads and, and lots of other dishes. I thought it was just a thing that they made for sushi. But no, you can just like, cut it into pieces and, um, and, and mix it in with, uh, with a lot of other stuff. So <clears throat> what do you need for this? Well, you just need a couple of leaves from a red cabbage. Now, red cabbage is dirt cheap. Uh, so you can make a lot of this salad for almost nothing, uh, and you have to slice them very thinly. That's important because this is, you eat them raw in this recipe, and as I said, red cabbage tends to be a bit leathery. So if if the, the thinner, the easier it is to eat. Then you also take a carrot and you slice that into very thin strips. Um, a quarter of a teaspoon of salt, a tablespoon of sesame oil. That's important, and, and you. I always take the the sesame oil, not the the type for cooking, but the one that has kind of this more roasted flavor. <clears throat> but you cannot use that for 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 uh, for cooking. Um, um, half a clove of garlic, grated. I kind of I'm lazy, so I have this the, these um, the pre crushed um, garlic. It's in a little flask, and you just squeeze it. and... Mm, Tastes okay. Uh, a teaspoon of soy sauce, a tablespoon of toasted sesame seeds. You can t- just toast them yourself. And two sheets of sushi nori, also toasted. So you put that in a dry pan for just a few seconds. You have to really be careful that it doesn't burn. <clears throat> but you need to toast it a little bit for the flavors to... Uh, it starts to smell very well. And then you just cut it up. And you, mix, you just mix that with your hand. Um, so first the red cabbage and the carrot... You add salt, you massage it with your hand, you add sesame oil, the garlic, the soy sauce, the toasted sesame seeds, mix that all well, and then uh, you toast the nori uh, over some flames, Uh, or in in my case, I've got induction, just put it in a pan, tear it into small pieces, and mix that, and then you eat it right away, and it's good, it's surprisingly good, so simple. But uh, yeah, that's one way for me to get rid of that red cabbage. (coughs) We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you've plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. I shared with you in previous episodes of this show that I was... uh, trying to reduce my um, my energy usage. And so I've been measuring all the equipment that I have, how much energy is it is it consuming per day. And no matter how much I tried, there was this one, there had to be this one device that was draining a lot of energy and I couldn't figure out what it was until I realized that it had to be the warm water boiler that is providing me with warm water for when I want to take a shower. I turned that one off and then, boom, like 12 kilowatt hours per day less energy that I use. So that was more than two-thirds of what I normally use. Uh, and I've got a lot of equipment. to cut got monitors and computers and whatnot. But that boiler was a super old thing. So I, um, I informed the parish, because I'm renting this house from the parish, and I told them, you know what? I know that I'm paying for the energy costs, but I did not. I would never have allowed such an old thing here in the attic. It it We need to replace it. Because um, otherwise, I'm just going to, it's going to be so expensive. Plus, that thing is in, the the attic is not isolated. It's not insulated. So, when the temperatures drop, uh, this is a very old, old boiler. It will constantly have to heat the water to keep it on the right temperature. And I only take a shower like for one minute in the morning. Um, And so at first, uh, of course, I turned it off for two weeks. um, And I've been uh, uh, experiencing the joy of cold showers um, and sometimes ice cold showers. I talk about that in the walk. It was, I'm, I'm not regretting it because it is, in fact, really doing what people say it does. It not only wakes you up, but it gives you a ton of energy. Um, these cold showers. So I'll probably continue to take cold showers, especially when I'm uh, going out for a run and I come back and I'm all sweaty and hot. Uh, A cold shower right after that, I'm not going to stop doing that. But there are also mornings where I step out of bed and I'm just like super sleepy and it's cold in the house because I turn off the heating during the night. And, And the last thing you want is that is a cold shower. So Yesterday, they installed a new boiler and the guy who came to install it, he was looking at the old one. And he said, oh my gosh, yeah, now I see why you want a new one because this is ancient. This is probably from like at least 40 years old, uh, if not older. And the thing is, uh, the, these older models were like, there; it was just on and off. So it would just heat and... Uh, also, the insulation techniques at the time were very bad. And we noticed this when we took the old boiler. It's like one of my parishioners cut it open. And he saw the entire inner insulation has had rotten away years ago. So it was just kind of like paper that was in there. And it was completely gone. It was just this black mess. And, and so... That thing for an entire year has been heating up water, also in the winter, and it would barely retain the heat; it would just immediately fly out in the open. What a waste! So now the new boiler is a smart device, and he, the guy it's t- showed me how it works. So it looks at your patterns; it, it records when you take shower, when you take shower, when you need the hot water, and then over time it will start to recognize the patterns and it will make sure that it only uses energy to have the water on temperature on the on the moments that you usually use it and then when you when there, there are of course the majority of the day I don't use the hot water and then it will just lower it to 50 degrees not under 50 degrees because of the Legionella all sorts of bacteria that otherwise can be super dangerous but it's it's saving a ton of energy plus, you can also put it in a vacation mode whenever you, whenever sometimes I'm, you know, on vacation or on on a trip to the U.S. and then for three weeks I'm not home. Uh, then you can just say, hey, just keep it at minimum so it doesn't freeze, um, and start heating it up when I'm back from vacation and I put it back into normal mode. Uh, so I'm I'm going to be uh, very interested to see what the difference is because I've been measuring how, what the old boiler used. And, and so I can compare it with uh, the, the new measurements. Now, another device um, that the parish uh, uh, had me buy, that I can declare the costs, is a dehumidifier. I, um, I, I struggle with humidity in this house, and it's also m- most, mostly due to the fact that uh, <clears> on <throat> the windows and the doors, they're all completely closed. You cannot open anything, especially downstairs. Where, for instance, in the kitchen, of course, you, from time to time, you have a lot of humidity. Like, I was just making a pea soup this uh, this afternoon, and, well, whenever you make soup, there's a lot of humidity in the air. But I can't... there, The window cannot be opened. There, you cannot um, circulate any air in the kitchen, which is ridiculous. And so uh, the humidity has been through the roof. Um, it's normally at about 75%... Uh, sometimes even eighty or eighty-five, and it's wet. That's way too much. It should be within, like, w- between forty and sixty percent. Uh, otherwise, you'll get uh, mold. Um, you may even get respiratory problems. And so, uh, of course, we cannot really change the windows now um, because it's you know busy times for all these installation. Plus, uh, uh, the companies are are usually very busy uh but also it's a very expensive operation like almost all the windows the smaller windows and the doors will have to be replaced in this house you can imagine the costs so we're still waiting for some um uh est- some estimates uh but in the meantime i was like yeah but if i if i if the humidity stays like this for the, for until the end of this year all my furniture is going to be rot rotting away um and so um They allowed me to buy a dehumidifier, which is kind of an interesting device. It looks like a portable uh, air conditioner, smaller, lighter. Um, But I've turned it on in in the kitchen right now where it was 75%. And it already brought it down to 55 right now. It's still on right now. And then I'll move it to the living room where it's currently 75% try to get that down to normal values and then I'll bring it upstairs and try to do the rooms here. Now I hope that if I extract the 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 water from the air that it won't immediately get humid again when I when I stop doing it. So we'll have to wait and see what the long-term effect is going to be. But right now I'm I'm so happy that at least I can kind of like Lower the risk of getting mold because I can't imagine that there will be black mold everywhere and I have to repaint this entire house. Speaking of extra costs, so anyway, very cool. Then speaking of regular technology, uh, Apple introduced without fanfar, fa- fanfare uh, new iPads, and they still use the old stupid like like first generation Apple Pencil, and now you need a dongle to charge it so you know that they're just clearing inventory, but it's so irritating. Like, come on, Apple. (laughs) It's, it's just a thing that they, they sometimes are so cheap. Whereas they all always, they're, they're one of the most expensive brands, but they, they, they are cheap with their customers. Anyway, thankfully I already have an iPad and it works with the second generation pen. Uh, Great news for those of you that like to edit videos. Now, Apple has its own solution, Final Cut, Final Cut Pro, which is good. It's not really standard, I have to say. Um, In television, I don't know that many companies that work with Final Cut. It's either Avid or it's um, Adobe Premiere. And Adobe Premiere, um, the, the, the advantage of Final Cut Pro is that it is super optimized for the M1 and M2 chips. So it works really well with uh, Apple um, Silicon. Um, but it's also software with its quirks. I don't think I could go back to Final Cut Pro now. I'm, I'm so used to the kind of workflow of, of Premiere. But as you know, recently I, I switched to <clears throat> DaVinci Resolve, which is free. And that is my absolute favorite editing program that I've ever used. It's so much easier to use than Final Cut. Even iMovie is more complicated, I think, than, than DaVinci Resolve. It, but it's, it's so powerful. And you can you can work so fast with it. It is insane. It's super stable. And did I mention that it was free? Well, they're going to bring it to the iPad. And it's going to be free as well so you can lev- finally finally leverage the power of the M1 and M2 chips in the iPad, my iPad doesn't have an M1, um, to do video editing on an iPad. Imagine how useful that is. If you film on an iPhone, you transmit it over the air to your iPad, and you can just deliver 4K video. Because you, you can do easily do 4K video on those iPads. Now, of course, the only downside is the iPads usually are very expensive the moment you start to go to the higher amounts of, uh, of memory. And if you are working with 4K, and even HD, you need a lot of internal memory. So that's, that's kind of the downside. But still... Oh my gosh, I can't believe that they're gonna do Da Vinci on an iPad. Insane. So um I, there's one last thing. I'm hesitating whether to do this because I'm already the show is running. It's running long. Now I'm going to do it. I'm going to play something very cool here. This is uh this is a little b- bonus content. Um you know that I have a good microphone for these uh, these podcasts. It's the Heil PR-40. Um, it's got a, a little bit of built-in compression. It sounds really nice. And I've got the Rodecaster, which adds even more punch to my voice. Now, not everyone has expensive microphones and, and, and equipment like that. But thanks to AI, you can now, even on a v- with a very simple microphone, you can make it sound as if it is... Um, high-quality studio uh, sound. And this is a project that's still in beta. It's developed by Adobe. It's called Project Shasta. So S-H-A-S-T-A, Project Shasta. And uh, you can upload um, uh, audio to it and, it, and I, will, I, will, I will let you listen to the difference. So I, I recorded this uh, in my uh, studio room, which doesn't have a good microphone, and there's quite a bit of echo in that room because it's a big room. But then I uploaded that same audio to Shasta, and I will, I will let you listen to the difference. So that's just using AI to improve the sound of a pretty crappy mi- microphone. This is what it sounds um, in its raw form. This is what I recorded. Star Wars Andor episode 5, The Axe Forgets. This is one of my um, Andor analysis videos. You hear the traffic in the background because the wind. I can't close the window totally. There's a problem with that window. So you hear in the background <sighs> constantly these cars and then you, you hear the echo in my voice as well, right? This is the middle episode of this second uh trilogy you could Now this is what Shasta was able to do with this audio file. This is what it sounds after AI was applied to it. Star Wars andor episode five The Axe Forgets. This is the middle episode of this second uh trilogy, you could say, of episodes that will end with the eye. Isn't that incredible? I mean, it does lack a little bit in the high frequencies, but it's got this nice punchy voice. Um, if you would listen to the uh, podcast like this um, on a just using the speakers of your mobile device, you, it would sound perfect, perfectly fine. Again, this is what it sounded like: Star Wars Andor Episode Five, and this is after processing: Star Wars Andor Episode Five. The no more background noise uh, nice punch. it's almost as if I'm very close to the microphone which I wasn't and and um, yeah it's it's free right now because it's still in beta um, and this would be perfect I think for people that are recording for instance or maybe you have recordings where you're you're just using the built-in microphone of your phone, if you upload that audio there and you can improve the quality of your, uh, sh- your social media videos uh, very easily, very quickly, um, I'm super excited about this technology. But my Heil PR40 still sounds a ton better. <laughs> All right, I want to wrap up with a, an inspirational thought of the, of the week. And well, since we already talked about Carrie Fisher at the beginning of this show... I want to give a quote of something that she said I don't hate hardly ever and when I love I love for miles and miles a love so big it should either be outlawed or it should have a capital and its own currency classic Harry Fisher I'll leave you with that be like Harry Fisher well not in all aspects but definitely in this one Have a wonderful week, and we'll talk soon. God bless.